You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz with me and Kieran Audula, and we're talking about a new social media trend that has recently emerged in response to the materialistic nature of influencer culture de-influencing. This trend involves influencers discouraging their followers from buying overpriced or ineffective products. So we're now speaking to Omar H. Ferris, a lecturer in the Ted Rogers School of Retail Management at Toronto Metropolitan University. Omar, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Now, Omar, when did you notice this trend of de-influencing? It has been picked up for quite, a, I would say, the past few months. Um, and now, when I say it's been picked up, um, over 730 million, I guess, views on TikTok with this hashtag. So it's kind of hard to ignore a little bit at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think with de-influencing, this comes at a really interesting time. Like, I'm thinking of the pandemic, right? And that was a moment where a lot of us had time to just really reflect and think about the things that matter. And I've noticed that lately when I go on TikTok, there's all these trends about just doing you, being yourself. Like, I was telling you earlier about this term, like, bed rotting, where they were like, you know what? Just stay in bed. Do you. Life doesn't have to be perfect. So how much of an impact do you think that's had on this? Yeah, of course. So uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, and let's kind of rewind a little bit and remind ourselves, there was this idea of, let's say, pre-pandemic, right, pre-pandemic, it was, well, the idea of flourishing and kind of standing out. And as the pandemic hit, there was the transition to the almost to the online world, where actually the main means of communication or the main method of communication is through your online image. So what people did is they started watching more, and getting, I would say, quote-unquote, influenced more to make purchases that maybe wasn't necessary. And in many cases, it was almost a coping mechanism. Um, they call it uh, also retail therapy, right? You know, you go purchase to make yourself feel better. But over the time, with overconsumption and increased sustainability conversations, the shift is starting to pick up and saying, well, listen, we need to take kind of a pause and reassess, well, why are we spending? And influencers got on top of this, and this is, I would say, what really pushed the idea of de-influencing. Let's stop with the whole perfect image and portray uh, what is normal life with its imperfections. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it real. I think that's the theme there. And, you know, in your piece that you wrote for the conversation, you talked about the importance of online authenticity. How much of that is becoming super important to people, you know, especially as they look for influencers out there? Yeah, sure. So uh, me and uh, my research team at uh, Toronto Metropolitan, we've actually conducted a research on the shifting values um, of consumers online. So we looked mundane tasks, but we looked over... 400,000 YouTube comments uh, to see the shift in values over the year. And one of the key areas we've seen is, well, consumers, A, want more sustainability, so that was one of the findings, but the idea of honesty, the idea of sharing honest content, that has been more prominent than ever. Now, the challenge becomes, and this is, there's always kind of a flip side to the story, while consumers are demanding authenticity, and this has been shown with the emergence of uh, what, uh, what is known as micro-influencers, which, by the way, have fantastic impact on actual purchases because people trust them more. So trust became a key factor in actually influencing people to make decisions. Uh, but the general idea, the, the other side of the story, 
is people are also skeptical of um, what is known, I guess, as pseudo-authenticity or fake honesty. And this is also a key challenge that may emerge and is emerging. That's interesting there, Omar. And you also talked about how social media burnout may also be a factor into this move. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So let's kind of look at this, the idea of social media burnout, and that's the idea of emotional exhaustion, right? It, when you're online, and this is your portal to the world, when you're holding your phone, and a lot of people do this, when they first wake up, first thing you do, your portal to the world is your phone nowadays, right? So there is that almost constant pressure to showcase an idealized image of yourself for people. And this, by the way, impacts people on both sides, the influencers and the followers of the influencers alike. One, so influencers, because they have a brand image and there is a unique transition. When you're a normal, I guess, um, active participant on social media, you're not influencing, so you don't abide by the same pressures, okay? Now, when you shift from a normal follower to an influencer, you change to become a brand, and you follow almost branding rules. And branding rules ensures, well, it's a key to be consistent in the image you portray to the world and, you know, consistency across forms, forums, etc. So that's one. So there is that pressure from influencers or uninfluencers to maintain and abide by branding rules because they are a brand. From the follower perspective, there is that pressure because they see the influencers and they see a lot of them consistently showing an idealized image of life. And that puts kind of a layer of pressure to say, oh, I'm tired of, you know, looking and, and everyone is perfect. Everyone is traveling. Everyone is buying the biggest thing. So it's a kind of two-way street when it comes to social media burnout on the follower side and the influencer side. That's true. And, and something you did say in your piece, too, is that, you know, can it always be positive? You highlighted that influencers may end up projecting an image of authenticity while still actually being motivated by financial interest. So how does one strike that balance? Because that's the challenge there. It, it is a key challenge. And listen, what will happen naturally with any phenomena? I think the phenomena in its, on its own and its core idea, the, the influencing phenomena, is a good and refreshing phenomenon to say, let's be honest, let's be real, you know, you know, showcase yourself to the world as you are, great. Uh, but then comes the other side of it to say, well, stop buying these products, but buy these other products, right? So it's de-influencing in a nature, but there's also a financial motive to say, well, let's redirect people to another product, but the general idea is still, is that really authentic on its own? And here I have to be careful. We're not saying to influencers don't advertise because that's a means of making money. But how you interact with businesses and how you build the trust is the discussion we're having. So pseudo-authenticity is a key risk um, that is out there for sure. And you also noticed, too, when um, you were doing a lot of this examining this behavior that's going on online, that there's much more conversations about sustainable fashion, for instance. Yes. Um, so consumers are becoming more aware. The values of consumers are changing. We've noted this since 2011 up to um, recent years, 2021 onwards. There is that discussion, well, yes, I purchased my product. Yes, it may be actually a good product, but how is it made? And what is the impact of my consumption? And this is part of kind of what's 
also lighting this fire, the values have changed. Questions we did not ask in the past, we're asking a lot more of, and we're getting more educated on. So, yes, there's that shift in values uh, with consumers over time. And Omar, so what does this mean for the future of influencing, especially with the business model? Like, what is it going to look like now? Sure. So the traditional business model uh, is built upon the idea. If There was um, one of the surveys, uh, it was done to marketers, asked them, what is the biggest value an influencer brings to your business? And the first common reason was, uh, well, they bring in sales. And in terms of when your interest as a marketer is to say, or, or, or is to drive purchases, what you will do is you'll put pressure on the influencers and the key measurement metric will be actual sales, right? Now, there is that change now, and consumers are a lot more smarter, and they see right through this if the information is not accurate. So the model may see a shift to say, how about we do almost awareness campaigns? Educate people, tell them, hey, this is what I offer, and make them aware so it's, it's, um, it's a form of advertisement. Instead of persuasive advertisement, it will be awareness advertisement. And the measurement with, for businesses to influencers, instead of it being actual sales, many metrics can emerge. So this is something many marketers need to really focus on. Some companies are already showcasing their honest side of the business, and you know there's a lot of examples out there, actually. But more and more will go towards this direction as the old direction, I think, uh, is fading away slowly. Interesting time to be an influencer. Omar, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye.